Nolan Hickman was perhaps Gonzaga's most polarizing player last season. Let's take a look at the good and the bad from his sophomore year and what we think his role could and should be next season. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another offseason now of Gonzaga Hoops. Happy Friday to all of you checking the show out on Friday. I hope you got fantastic weekend plans coming your way. Uh, here, roadmap for the show today, it is another one of our season in review episodes. We talked about Ben Gregg earlier this week. We've done them. A few of them already with Julian Strother, with Malachi Smith, with the three transfers, although those were a little bit different formatting-wise than the ones we've typically done. This one is going to look a little bit more like the one we did with Ben. We're going to discuss Nolan Hickman's history, what he did last season, what he did as in his freshman season. Second segment, I'm going to play a clip. It's about four minutes or so from an episode I did back in November before the season, previewing Nolan Hickman's season and discussing his best and worst-case scenarios. We're going to listen to that clip and then kind of break down which things did happen, which things didn't happen. And then we're going to close out the show taking a look at his future uh, in Spokane, not just next season, but beyond that. We're going to talk about some other topics we've discussed a handful of times on the show already. You everyday listeners have probably heard me talk about Hickman potentially shifting to more of an off-ball role in the future. We'll break that down, closing out the show. But for now, we're going to talk a little bit about Nolan Hickman's history. Just as a reminder, he was initially committed to Kentucky uh, that was the first place he was planning to go out of Wasatch Academy in Utah, same high school as one of Gonzaga's primary targets right now, Isaiah Harwell, in the class of 2025, same high school as Nolan Hickman. Hickman eventually decided to decommit from Kentucky in April of 2021, so right around this time, a couple of years ago, two weeks after he decommitted from Kentucky, he ended up committing to Gonzaga, joined the school in May of 2021, enrolled in August, and boom, was playing a significant role for the Zags that season. He played a big role as a true freshman during that 2021-22 season with Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nemhard, and of course Drew Timmy, Rasir Bolton still there as well. Uh, and he he was a big time player for this team. He played 32 games for the Zags. He didn't start any of them, but he played 17 minutes a night. So again, it's less of what we've seen from you know guys like Dominic Harris, Julian Strother, who who played only six seven minutes. Ben Gregg is a good example there too. He I mean, he really truly was immersed in the rotation day in and day out as a freshman for the Zags. He played behind Andrew Nemhard and Rasir Bolton, of course, but was kind of the third, fourth guard right in there with, with Hunter Salas as well. Finished the season averaging 5.1 points, 1.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 0.6 deals, and 0.7 turnovers per game. That 1.3 assists to 0.7 turnovers, not a great ratio. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Hickman in his, in his freshman season was very, very efficient on non-three-point shots. He shot 60.6% on two-pointers. That is excellent, especially from a point guard. That was a really, really high-level production from him in his first year inside the arc. From three, not as much. He shot 30.8%. It's not awful by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly you'd want your guards to, to shoot a little bit better than that. Uh, and then he was only 66.7% from the free throw line and admittedly very small sample size for Nolan Hickman as a freshman. But that was part of the issue is he wasn't getting to the line all that much. And when he was, he wasn't 
converting it at the kind of rate that you would want to see from a point guard. So those were kind of the, the highs and lows for Hickman as a freshman. And, and really a lot of his freshman year can be broken up uh, almost right in the middle. Uh, it was a, a often discussed talking point for Nolan Hickman last off season was how can he avoid having a second half slump like he did as a freshman? And the numbers bear out a significant second half slump for Nolan Hickman as a freshman. He had his first 18 games with the Zags in his first year. Nolan Hickman averaged seven and a half points. He shot 62% on twos and he shot 39.7% from deep. He was a 40% shooter, seven and a half points per game coming off the bench. And then in Gonzaga's final 14 games, which includes the NCAA tournament and their sweet 16 loss to Arkansas in those final 14 games, Nolan Hickman averaged two points per game. He shot 57% on two. So he was still fine there, but he shot a horrendous 5% from deep Nolan Hickman's final 23 point attempts of the season, 23 point attempts in his final 14 games. He made one of them. That was it. He did not make a three pointer in the NCAA tournament. He did not make a three pointer in the conference tournament. Uh, he, he just went completely ice cold from three as a freshman. We'll talk about it in the second segment when we listen to Andy from the past and his conversation, he kind of said, Hey, that's not something that we can see again. And, Hickman stepped into a starting role as a sophomore and the big kind of concerns were, are we going to see a second half lull? How is he going to be able to handle the pressure? Uh, is, is he ready effectively? And what we saw from Nolan Hickman was a season that I think drew more criticism than it probably deserved. Uh, he started 36 games out of 37. The only game he did not start was senior night. Uh, he played 28 minutes per game. He was the primary point guard. Rasir Bolton, Malachi Smith never really stepped into true point guard roles. Hunter Salas did end up kind of gobbling up most of the backup point guard minutes, but we did see Hickman occasionally kind of shift into more of a combo guard role on the season. Overall, back of the basketball card numbers, 7.7 .7 points per game, 2.4 rebounds, excuse me, 3.1 assists, 1 steal, and 1.3 turnovers. His two-point percentage dropped significantly. Again, just about 61% as a freshman on two-pointers. He was only 49% in his sophomore year, much less efficient around the rim, less efficient in the mid-range game. Uh, his, however, the trade-off there was a bump in the three-point shooting. He went from 30.8% 30 30 as a freshman to 35.5% this last year. That's a significant bump for him to be to 31% is like, oh, we're not really going to respect you out there, you know, sag off a little bit, make it harder for you to attack closeouts, get, you know, score around the, around the rim. 35% is enough. And, and Hickman had some really monster shooting games where it was like, oh, you're not going to guard me out here. I'm going to make you pay. And so we saw glimpses of that from him throughout the season. He also shot 81% from the free throw line after shooting 66% as a freshman. So a significant growth from him in that regard as well. I want to point out it was a 63% increase in playing time for Nolan Hickman and a 138% increase in assists. That's a huge difference. Of course, it is not surprising to see a player go from being the backup point guard to the starting point guard you're expecting them to have more assists. And I think a lot of the complaint about Hickman stems from some early season struggles that he had with teams like Texas and Purdue and teams that ended up being really, really good this season. But a lot of it was that he was his turnover issues and his turnover issues weren't as pronounced as I think a lot of people thought that they were. Uh, again, we're talking about a 138% increase in assists and an 85% increase in turnovers. 
It's not good, especially when you consider a 63% increase in playing time, but he had a 3.1 assists and 1.3 turnovers. That's pretty good. There's nothing wrong with that date. I mean, if anything, you'd want more assists, but I don't think the turnover numbers were that egregious for Nolan Hickman. However, once again, we saw that second half collapse from Nolan Hickman. First 20 games of this past season for Nolan Hickman, 8.9 points per game, 3.7 assists, 1.6 turnovers, 53.5% on twos, 38% on threes. That's what we saw from the first 20 games of Nolan Hickman this year. That's really darn good. Nine points, four assists, 38% from three. Hell yeah, you'll take that every single time. Unfortunately, in the final 17 games of Nolan Hickman's most recent season, including the NCAA tournament, his points per game dropped to 6.4. His assists dropped to 2.5. His turnovers did drop to one, which is good. He shot only 43% on two-pointers. That's a 10% drop. And he shot 31.5% from three, which is a 6.5% drop from what he did in the first half of the tournament. And a lot of this is dragged down by a, no other word to use here, horrendous NCAA tournament performance from Nolan Hickman. He scored eight points. Gonzaga played four games in the NCAA tournament. He scored eight points. Worse yet, he scored six of them against Grand Canyon. He scored two of them against TCU, and he did not score against either UCLA or UConn. He did have a 7-3 assist to turnovers in those two games, which is fine. You still want more from your point guard, but I suppose three turnovers in two games against UCLA and UConn is, is objectively good. It's just it didn't come with with anything else, with, with literally nothing else, with no points at all. He, he took 10 threes in the NCAA tournament. He did not make a single one of them. In the final 17 games of this season and the final 14 games of last season, that is 31 total games for Nolan Hickman in the second, basically all of February, all of March for Nolan Hickman. He's just, I mean, he's not hitting any threes. One for 20 in his final 14 games. One for 20 in his final 14 games as a freshman, I should say, excuse me. And 0 for 10 in the NCAA tournament this year. That is where the issue is with Nolan Hickman. We're going to come back in the second segment. What we're going to do is we're going to play a video discussing what I discussed about Nolan Hickman in November, the best case scenarios for him this season and the worst case scenarios. We clipped it together. We're going to react to that and talk about where he fell within those rankings. And then, of course, we'll close out the show talking about his future. Before we get there, though, today's episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by Built Bar. If you are looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. And that's Built. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. They taste so good that you will not think that they are healthy for you. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They have only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club where you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Built Bar, proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, segment two, Stoney Patton still Locked On Zags. And I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen every day. For you everyday listeners, next week on the show, we got more 
transfer portal coverage as we look at players that the Zags could target. We look at players the Zags are targeting. We look at where former Zags might end up. We're also going to continue our season in review series, so it should be another fantastic week on Locked on Zags. So everyday folks, don't miss out. All right, what I want to do now is I want to play about a four-minute clip from November. Andy from the past, he's discussing how no one, the no, the best case and worst case scenarios for Nolan Hickman this upcoming season. We're going to play that and we're going to react to how he ended up doing. All right, here we go. The best case scenario for Nolan Hickman is that now that the Zags need him, now that Andrew Nembhard is playing on a $8 million contract with the Indiana Pacers, the highest contract ever guaranteed to a second round pick in NBA history. Now that Andrew Nembhard is doing that, it is time for Nolan Hickman to break out. The best case scenario it's on time. It happens when we want it to happen. Part of that is going to include no second half collapses. He cannot drop off performance-wise in the second half of this year. Hopefully that means that conditioning and various other things have been improved for him between his freshman and sophomore years. That's not to say that they were bad uh, before he came into, into college. It's just that it's you now you know. Now you know what a full season feels like. Now you know how you have to be, what condition you have to be in, what it's going to be like to get through a season. Ideally, Hickman is ready. He's prepared. And he's going to go knock this thing out of the park for an entire season. 37 games, Nolan Hickman is going to be ready to go night in and night out. The best case scenario for Nolan Hickman is that he can lead this offense smoothly while handling pressure from opposing guards. We know that has been an issue for Gonzaga's guards in the past. We know that it was an issue for Andrew Nembhard. We know that it cost the Zags a national championship against Baylor amidst other things. Not just that, but it was a factor. We saw a Tarleton State team nearly beat Gonzaga last year in part because of the amount of pressure they put on Gonzaga's guards as soon as they crossed half court. And guess what? Teams are going to do that again this year. All of them. Every team that has the ability to do that is going to attempt to do that. They're going to look at a team with a sophomore point guard who hasn't started a game in his collegiate career, and they're going to say, we are going to put all of the pressure on him. We are going to make him make plays as soon as we possibly can, force him to do that immediately. Best case scenario for Nolan Hickman, he can do that. Best case scenario for Nolan Hickman, that outside shooting ticks up. We saw this with Andrew Nembhard. We've seen this with plenty of other guards in Gonzaga's past. He was under 31% from last year. If he does that again, he's not going to get respected from out there. Teams are going to be able to sag off. It impacts his ability to dribble drive. It impacts his ability to get those looks in the mid-range. It impacts his ability to run the pick and roll effectively. He needs to be able to knock down outside shots. The best case scenario, he's up over 36, 37, 38, maybe even 40% from three for, for Hickman. If he's able to do that, or at least threaten to do that, if he's shooting 35, 38% early in the season, that's enough for opposing teams to really have to respect him to bring their defense out, creates more room for Drew Timmy down low. It creates more room for Nolan Hickman to dribble drive, maybe kick out the shooters from there, maybe get all the way to the basket, draw some contact, get to the free throw line, which is another one of the best case scenarios for Nolan Hickman is that he can draw more contact and improve that free throw percentage. I don't believe that Nolan Hickman is a 67% free throw shooter. I just don't buy it. I think he should be 75, 78% from the free throw line. And I think if we get a situation where Hickman is more aggressive getting to the rim, better at using his body to draw contact, get fouled, potentially finish through contact, that would be huge. 
if he had the ability to do that. But even so, if he can just get more to the free throw line on a regular basis and knock him down at 75% instead of 67%, that's not a dramatic change, but it is enough to give him a, a point or two more per game. And of course, drawing more fouls on the opposing team is never, ever a bad thing either. Best case scenario for Nolan Hickman is at the end of the year, he is a very strong NBA draft candidate. He has been showing up on mock drafts left and right. He is pursuing the NBA draft combine, and Zags fans are nervous about whether he's going to come back or not. What's the worst case scenario for Nolan Hickman? Well, it's that he's not ready to take the mantle. It's that Boltner Smith have to step in and play more point guard early on in the season. It's not that he's out of the rotation. I don't think that's going to happen. It's not even that he's out of the starting lineup. I would be surprised if that happens at any point this season. Uh, but it's that he's not ready to be the team's primary point guard for 30 minutes a night. Maybe he plays more off the ball. Maybe he just plays more like 23, 25 minutes per game. Maybe Bolton plays a lot more minutes at the point guard. Maybe Malachi Smith does. Either of those guys could do it if necessary. Uh, the worst case scenario for Nolan Hickman is that he struggles against pressure. Same thing that we saw from Andrew Nempard, but maybe it's even more uh, exaggerated with Nolan Hickman. Maybe he's really struggling with that pressure. He hasn't seen a ton of it in his young career up to this point. Uh, and, and it creates a situation where the Zags either have to inbound the ball to somebody else or they have to find other ways to even just get into their offensive sets because the pressure is suffocating them on the perimeter. Well, thank you to Andy from the past for that analysis on Nolan Hickman, the best case and worst case scenarios. And it's always kind of fun to take a chance uh, to take a look back at, at kind of what we were thinking, or at least what I was thinking kind of coming into the season and and evaluate how, how we did. And as it almost always is, as it should be in theory, based on how I pre present those best and worst case scenarios, we kind of ended up somewhere in the middle here. So we'll kind of go through the points a little bit one by one. Uh, the 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 Nolan Hickman breakout season didn't didn't really happen on time. I don't think that it's I don't think we can say that this last season was the breakout season. I think we can hope that maybe as a junior he will have more of a breakout. Uh, again, the one of the big concerns was the lack of a second half collapse, and we already kind of broke that down in the first segment. But unfortunately, that continues to be an issue. And whether that's a, a conditioning issue, whether that's a mental issue, whether it's a coincidence, I, I don't know. Uh, but I would suspect that it is something that Hickman and, and staffers and people are, are hoping to work on because you need your point guard when you get to March and you need him to be playing not only, I mean, you'd hope he's playing his best basketball, but at the very least he can't be playing his worst basketball. And that's what's happened the last two years for Nolan and, and something that obviously needs to, needs to change. I think the pressure thing, I, it was a big deal coming into the season. It was certainly a big deal in the early part of the season. It ended up not being a huge thing as the year went on in part because Gonzaga adjusted and kind of just got the ball to Drew Timmy as early as they possibly could. Not necessarily great and certainly something that they're going to have to recalibrate going into next season without a player as single-handedly dominant as Drew Timmy is on the roster for next year. But again, Hickman's assist turnover numbers were pretty solid. He didn't have, he made mistakes. He's a young point guard. Of course he made mistakes, but I don't think there was this massive issue where he just completely caved under the pressure of opposing guards. The Texas game was the most notable example of that, but he was far from the only player who struggled in that kind of situation. And as the year went on, we kind of saw him evolve and grow and not have that be a big issue. I mentioned one of the best case scenarios would see him shooting closer to 40% from three. Didn't quite get there, but a, a a glow up from 30.8 to 35.4 was definitely helpful. I mentioned wanting to see him improve his free throw attempts per game as well as percentage. He did both of those, improved his percentage from 66 to 81. Free throw attempts per game, I'm yes, I'm going to take credit for the fact that it improved, but it went from 0.5 attempts per game as a freshman to 0.9 attempts per game as a sophomore. 
still not enough. And I, and I think that's kind of, we'll explore that a little bit more in the final segment of the show, but if he does get more of an off ball role, I, I would like to see him attack closeouts, get to the rim, try to do that a little bit more. Cause I think that's an area of his game that there's still a potential for, for not only growth, but, but potentially significant growth. Uh, obviously the best case scenario we laid out included him being at a potential NBA draft candidate at the end of this year. That is not something that is on anybody's mind at this point. Uh, if you were to declare for the NBA draft right now, it would be very surprising. Uh, although I don't think it would, if you were to do it and to explore the process and get feedback, I don't, that's, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but uh, we're not in a situation right now where there's a lot of concern about Nolan Hickman leaving the program in terms of what we talked about with the worst case scenario. Again, some of these things kind of did come true, quite honestly. Again, the pressure stuff, I think, was there early in the year, um, playing more off-ball, being listed as one of the worst-case scenarios. I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing for Gonzaga. It's maybe not a great thing for Nolan Hickman. Uh, I mentioned Bolton or Smith taking on more minutes at the point guard role. That didn't happen only because Gonzaga felt comfortable putting Hunter Salas in that role, as I think they should have. It is unfortunate that they didn't give him more minutes in general because he might still be here and be in a position to play a bigger role for this team next season. But we did see Hickman shift to more of an off-ball role in part uh, to kind of alleviate some of those concerns we saw from him early in the year. So some of the best-case scenarios came true. Some of the worst-case scenarios came true. That's kind of what you generally expect most everything else kind of landed somewhere in the middle, but uh, it creates an interesting situation where we're going to have a lot of the same conversations about Nolan Hickman in late October. When we do this again, when we preview Nolan Hickman's junior season, I suspect we're going to be talking about a lot of the same things, but we're going to take a first stab at that right now, as we get into the third and final segment, uh, discussing what Hickman's role is going to be next season. Could he shift to the bench? Could he shift to an off ball role? More on that coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still Eddie Patton, still locked on Zags, still talking Nolan Hickman here to close out this third week in April as we get further and further away from the last season. And of course, uh, still a long ways away, but closer, closer still every day to the next season of Gonzaga basketball. And right now, as we're talking on April 20th, Nolan Hickman's the only rotation guard left. He's, he's it. He's the only one who's left from last year's team. So looking at, uh, I kind of teased, could he be in a bench role? Right now, no because they don't have a whole lot of other guards on the roster. Hunter Salas and Dominic Harris, both reserves guards from last year, they have entered the transfer portal. I don't think either of them have much intention of coming back to Gonzaga, so they are as good as gone. Rasir Bolton, of course, out of eligibility. We knew that that was going to be the case for him, so he cannot return. Malachi Smith has entered the NBA draft. We spoke about that last week on the podcast. I still think there is a possibility for him to return. But I don't know. I have not heard anything one way or another on him. Uh, I don't envision him being a player who gets selected in the NBA draft. That does not mean that he could not get signed, play in the summer league, get a G League or a two-way contract, or maybe just play overseas if he chooses to do that. Uh, there's a lot of options for him outside of returning to Gonzaga, but returning to Gonzaga and playing a big role is definitely an option for him as well. Julian Strother has entered the NBA draft. He's less of a guard, more of a wing, uh, but not a player that I expect to see back at uh, Gonzaga next season. Uh, the team has made some additions. Steel Venters has come in from Eastern Washington. He's, he's more like Strother. He's a 6'7 wing. I don't think he's going to play the one or the two. He's more of a three, maybe a four or hybrid, depending on how Gonzaga wants to shake that out. But he's not really cutting into the, the guard rotation as much. Uh, Dusty Stromer certainly is. He's a new freshman. Going to join the team next season. Shout out Dusty Stromer, who was 
listed 33rd on ESPN's recent re-ranking of the class of 2023. I don't know exactly where he was previously, but I, I remember him being, I never remember seeing him higher than 40th. He's been in the 40s, the 50s for most of the rankings. So for ESPN to re-release it and have him 33rd is a good indication that he is continuing to get attention and notoriety for how he performed in high school this past season. He's a player that I'm not exactly sure what his role is going to look like next season, but I, I he's going to have one. And I think there's a chance that he has a pretty big one, especially right now with the guard room as barren as it currently is. So for Nolan Hickman, is he solidified as Gonzaga's starting point guard in the 2023-24 season? That's the question. I think right now it is, it's very hard to imagine Nolan Hickman does not start next season. It would be very surprising to me if Gonzaga returned only one starter and only one rotation player from their guard group and somehow added enough other players to have that player then revert to the bench. I don't see that happening. I don't think Nolan Hickman would stick around if he got recruited over so much that he wasn't going to start next year. I don't think it would be a good practice by the Zags. I just don't think that that's what's going to happen. However, I do think it's possible that Nolan Hickman isn't really the point guard next season. And anybody who's been paying attention, all you everyday listeners, you know why I'm saying that because Gonzaga has pursued point guards in the transfer portal and they're not pursuing combo guards who could play point guard or they're, play, they're pursuing point guards. Ryan Nemhard was on campus last weekend. He is a point guard. I don't think he's going to end up in Spokane. He has not committed as of this conversation, but the expectation by most is that he is going to go to Arizona. I will say that every day that goes by that he does not commit to Arizona gives me a little bit more hope. I was thinking that he was probably going to go to Arizona and commit before he got on a flight back home. It does not sound like that happened. Doesn't necessarily mean Gonzaga is any more in play than they were previously, but it is interesting to note. Regardless, Gonzaga was not going to bring in Ryan Nemhart to play off ball next to Nolan Hickman. Gonzaga was not going to bring Stephen Ashworth in, who was listed in Gonzaga's top or in his top five. Gonzaga was. Uh, he ended up going to Creighton to replace Ryan Nemhard, uh, but he was not going to come here to play off the ball on Nolan Hickman either. Taryn Armstrong, Cal Baptist point guard, back to back seasons over four assists per game. Not a great shooter, but a very good facilitator. He is has listed Gonzaga in his top four alongside Xavier Creighton and Providence he wouldn't come to Gonzaga to play off the ball either. So the, the Gonzaga has also recruited off-ball guards, to be clear. They're not just recruiting pure point guards, but a lot of the players that have been publicly connected to Gonzaga so far this offseason are legitimate PG1s. That, to me, is an indication, and a fairly blatant one, that they are considering Nolan Hickman as more of an off-ball guard going forward. I'm very interested in how this could work objectively, it looks like it could be a good fit for Nolan Hickman. I have talked at length on this podcast and on any other podcast about, I think the criticisms of his ability of his turnovers and things like that were a little bit overblown, overblown, excuse me. However, Nolan Hickman didn't make a lot of things happen in the point guard, point guard role. And I think that's more where my, where I would want to see things change for Gonzaga. He didn't turn the ball over all that much, but he also didn't get a lot of assists because he just, he kind of, he disappeared a little bit on offense. He was the point guard. He brought the ball up. He got Gonzaga into their offense. And part of this is, is less Nolan Hickman's fault and more the entire offense was just stagnant when they would get the ball to Drew Timmy. Uh, and it wasn't Drew's fault either because he played more of a facilitator role. I mean, he averaged more assists than Hickman did last year. Uh, and that was a fun story about Drew, but it's not a great story about Gonzaga in general. I don't think it's what you want. Uh, it worked out for Gonzaga in general. I mean, they made it elite eight. You can't complain too much about that, but 
it created a, an offense that was really stagnant and relied heavily on Drew. And so it didn't allow some of the other guards, namely Hickman, to really explore being a point guard in the sense of, you know, there wasn't a lot of high pick and roll action. He didn't do some of the same stuff that Nemhard did, drive and dish. That Those elements of the game just weren't there. It's kind of a chicken and the egg. Were they not there because Gonzaga was so adamant about getting the ball to Drew Timmy? Or were they not there because, or was it a situation where Drew Timmy needed to play that role because the other players, in this case Hickman, weren't necessarily stepping up into that role? Chicken egg, hard to know exactly what happened. We saw in the Michigan State game uh, by a, by the second half, Drew Timmy was basically just bringing the ball up the floor because there was a lot of struggles to Gonzaga's guards were really struggling with pressure. That game was weird because it was played on a aircraft carrier. There was no outside shooting was pretty much eliminated. So that that was a different game, but it happened against Michigan State. It happened against Texas. And from that point forward, Drew, I mean, I use the phrase point forward. That's kind of what Drew became. He became more of a point forward. He, he was more of a facilitator. And, and to me, it feels like that move was made in response to some of those early season struggles. Does that mean that they won't give Nolan Hickman any freedom to run the point next year? No, of course not. I don't think that's the case, but I think it's noteworthy and, uh, again, a fairly clear sign that Gonzaga is pursuing so many true pure point guards uh, that they may envision Nolan Hickman sliding off of that role a little bit. Uh, and I, I think it's a good move. I think it's, I think it could be beneficial for Nolan as a college basketball player as well. I think we could see him uh, be a better shooter if he's catching shoot three instead of trying to shoot more off the dribble. We could see him attack closeouts better. If he's shooting 38% early in the year, defenders are going to start attacking him. They're going to come out on him. He's got the ability to put the ball on the deck, get to the rim. We could see those free throw numbers continue to blow up. Uh, again, I don't think, I think 81% is a really good spot for him. But if he's 81% and he's attempting two and a half free throws per game instead of one, that's a big difference. That adds some points to his total as well. Uh, from his overall basketball standpoint nolan hickman probably needs to play point guard if he wants to be an nba player i don't think a six foot two point guard in nolan hickman playing off the ball is necessarily going to get a lot of attention from nba scouts there's just undersized twos are, are a dime a dozen in the nba and unless you're cj mccollum and you can like have a freakish ability to move without the basketball and score from anywhere it's hard to make it in the league so that's a tough that would be a tough pill for Nolan if he does kind of shift into more of an off-ball role, but I think it could really help the Zags, and I do think it would help him perform better. I think his field goal percentage would go up. I think his overall scoring numbers would go up. Uh, so I think it's a, a move that it feels like Gonzaga is attempting to make. As we're talking right now in mid-April, without knowing what the guard rotation is going to look like, it's hard to say. But when we get to October, when we do our actual Nolan Hickman season preview, we will know whether they land Taron Armstrong or whether they land Aaron Estrada or any other point guards that they may be pursuing, or if they pivot and they end up adding some more combo guards, some more wings, and Nolan is clearly the point guard. That could happen too. So when we get to that point, we'll have more of a conversation about what his role might actually look like. But based on the early returns this offseason, it feels to me like Gonzaga is looking at a situation next year where Nolan Hickman is playing more off the ball. And I think that that is a good thing for the Zags. All right, that is going to do it for me today and for this week. Happy Friday, happy weekend for those of you in the Portland area. Sunday afternoon, 1 p.m., Joe Etzel Field in North Portland. The Pilots taking on the Zags. I will be at that game if you want to go. Let me know. Hopefully we can say hi, share a hot dog, whatever it may be. Uh, but that's going to do it for me today. Again, more fantastic content coming your way later this week or next week uh, as we continue our season in review series, as we continue to look at transfer portal targets for Mark Few's team. All right. Thank you all for listening. And as always, go Zags.